We're back, baby! Indeed, Adrian, indeed. A lot has happened over the past, like, seven months since we've been gone, Simon, in this TV and film industry. And I can't wait to talk about it with you, my good chap. It's been a while. And I can't wait to talk with you about it as well. This week, we'll review HBO's TV series adaptation of PlayStation video game The Last of Us, starring Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. We'll discuss penis armor from Netflix's The Witcher series and how Simon never thought about penises. While also examining the future of the DC Universe with the Suicide Squad director James Gunn at the helm. This is Split Focus, a film and TV podcast, episode 101. <laughs> Hello there, my name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and my rotten soldier, my good time boy, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? Adrian, long time no see, my friend. General Kenobi, it goes quite well, my friend. I know it's been forever. It's felt like years. It's only been a few months. But damn, dude, it's been a while, and I'm I'm stoked to be back here with you. I missed you, man. I missed you. I missed you, too. I missed you, too. And we're back, and we're better than ever. We've got a new format, slightly different format. Not completely different, but it's pretty different, I feel like. It's a little bit yeah. more truncated, a little bit more streamlined. Mm-hmm. Um, Focused. Just creating... Yeah, creating a little bit more magic. But I think we'd be amiss if we didn't start this podcast with a little warm-up of, of all the things we missed in the last okay. mm. seven-odd months. Mm. Um, Give it to me. It's been a wild time in the film and TV yeah. industry. So let's, uh, let's rapid fire through these. Uh, let's just go through some of the things that uh, we recall that happened in the first seven months. What, the first thing I would like to say is um, one of the biggest things that happened was James Gunn, director James Gunn, was named co-CEO or co-chairman with Peter Safran, Safran of DC. And, uh, and he actually claimed that he aims to create the biggest story ever told, which is a pretty Whoa. bold claim, Adrian. Pretty bold. Very. And I'm going to actually leave this uh, little, little small story for a big story later because that's our main story. Spoiler alert. Uh, for the Oh, damn. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> for, the, for the podcast episode, for episode 101. But um, I had no idea. Yeah, I know it's crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, what else? What else happened? What else happened this uh, this past seven months? I mean, uh, well, Marvel launched multiple TV series and movies in our absence. Uh, I think She Hulk, uh, the TV series, which I really liked, I thought that was awesome. Um, As well as Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, probably being the most notable. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Personally, I found it to be better than the first movie. I agree. I agree with that uh, statement. Uh, it would have been yeah. nice to review it, but again, we were gone. We were gone for seven to eight months, somewhere around there. So yeah, we don't talk outside this podcast. So right, we didn't even review it on our own. No, we, we didn't. But we did. No, we were sitting next to each other in the theater, even, but mm-hmm. we just uh, brushed on by each yeah. other. We just walked on by because, of course, we don't talk outside the podcast. Because how could we? It would be dishonest. That's showbiz. It'd be terrible to the audience. We got to create it. Yeah. Create a natural chemistry. Mm-hmm. Natural. Anyways, something else happened. Uh, we watched more movies than just Wakanda forever. We watched All Quiet on the Western Front, mm-hmm. which was a very depressing movie I found. Ooh. It was great, beautifully shot, amazing yeah. movie, but also very 
It's harrowing, man. <laughs> yes, harrowing. That's the best word that I could have used to describe it. It was pretty harrowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched Don't Worry Darling, which I thought was... <sighs> yeah. Wow. It's a movie. Um... It's a movie. <laughs> it's a yeah. movie. Not a good one. What a disappointing ending. Could it have ended any worse? I feel like no. it's just a missed opportunity. It's funny because it felt good throughout, in my opinion, until mm-hmm. the end. And then it's just like, wait, that's the end? It's like they scrambled some shit together. It's like a it's a bad scrambled egg. That's what that yeah. movie is. It's a bad yeah. scrambled egg. For sure. That's what uh, yeah. that's what uh, our mutual friend Peter had before all quite on the western front oh yeah when he left with food poisoning right poor guy that was yeah. awful that that was yeah there's shit all over that theater no no he no just... he didn't do that <laughs> don't embarrass our friend here but uh there was it wasn't quite shit but it wasn't good let's, let's just say that mm-hmm. uh poor fella yeah. poor fella he couldn't watch it with us he couldn't finish the movie with us in in the theaters we went to the princess no. twin theater in in waterloo and uh canada ontario canada by the way we're canadian if you're just joining us now for this uh, episode 101 of Split Focus. But anyway, we also watched mm-hmm. horror movie The Barbarian. Was it just Barbarian? No, it's just Barbarian. Bar- I think it's just Barbarian. Yeah, yeah. It's not The Barbarian. It's just Barbarian. Right, Barbarian, yeah. which was great. I, now that's in, in contrast oh. to Don't Worry Darling, which is a very mediocre thriller. Barbarian is a probably mm-hmm. more of a thriller, I would say too. But it's fantastic i thought that was amazing oh i love that movie yeah that's a definite highlight of the movies i watched man last year was such a good movie for or sorry good movie a uh, good year for horror movies um, yeah there was so many that just like kind of jump out scream five the, the sixth scream is coming simon oh god i can't Excited? wait oh dude i'm so stoked i'm so stoked yeah with uh with with phenomenon apparently uh what's her name jenna ortega um ortega jenna ortega right I, that's another yeah. thing i watched uh, watched we watched lots of shows of course as well we'll, we'll get mm-hmm. into that i think a little later uh, but i also watched wednesday which i don't think is in my notes that i i watched wednesday is pretty good she's she's a star in that so yeah she's blowing up blowing up on the interwebs yeah in the memes adrian not like a terrorist but like a movie star yeah no i think that was assumed like yeah I, Thank you for that specificity. Um, but what else, Adrian? What else happened? What, what, uh, what else you got in your notes here? Oh, the worst Bob. Bob Chappick. He steps down. He got fired. Let's be real. And our uh, baby boy, yeah. Bob Iger, brought back to head, head up Disney for two more years, Simon. Two. Not one. Yeah, we didn't uh, We didn't have the kindest words to say about Chappick. We weren't mean about yeah about him i feel like i was other than, I, I mean feel like i was <laughs> we, we call the we kind of call them the the disney kingpin at one point i mean that yeah. wasn't the nicest thing to say but the problem with his strategy the worst bob yeah I, right yeah. he's definitely worse than bob Iger. i think people love bob Iger in the industry it's crazy that he came back at all mm-hmm. it's wild but bob chapik the worst thing he did the premier access my god we talked about that a lot last year i think in 2021 more so than 2022 yeah. And uh, what a disastrous plan that was. And thank God that it seems like the rest of the industry, including Disney itself, just seemed to dislike it because it was a chapic plan, the premier access aspect. And so I'm glad that's gone. Oh, my goodness. I hope it doesn't come back. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, Bob Iger back in back in action for at least two more years. Um, and lastly, and this isn't a very big story, but it was kind of interesting to me. Brad Pitt sold a majority stake in his Plan B production company. Um, he was a big, oh. big guy in that. That was like his production company. 
And apparently he's like talking about like semi-retirement, not, not like real retirement, but like maybe not being as in as many movies potentially or being as uh, in, involved maybe in, in producing other movies. Interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah. So we'll see what that, what that means. Maybe it means nothing, but. Or maybe it means everything. I remember, I don't, remember, I don't know if you remember this at any point, but I, I think it was Jet Li, like martial artist Jet Li, like way mm-hmm. back. He said like it was this is the last I thought I thought he was like this is the last movie I'm going to be in. And then it, it was like no 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 this is the ma- last martial arts movie he was going to be in. And then it got like more specific like no it's the last western martial. It was some ridiculous thing and then he ended up being in multiple other like he was in Expendables right after that and I'm like wait what does this what does this mean? You're retiring or you're not is the question. And yeah. so I think I'm hoping Brad Pitt's got a few more years. I hope there's another bullet train because that's another movie we watched, Adrian. Oh, yeah, that was that was a fun time. That movie's great. I'm I'm shocked that it wasn't like critically all that well received. But that movie's a fun as fuck, dude. Weird to me yeah. that that movie is incredibly fun and it's got great cameos and great action sequences. Great comedy. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. I don't know what the heck people want. What do you want? But I think. I think audiences liked it. I think it was critics that were kind of so-so on it. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, there's probably plenty of other things we missed uh, that aren't in the notes that we just mm-hmm. came up with before recording this podcast. But um, it's been a crazy year and um, I'm excited to continue this podcast with you. I, I missed it. I must say like there's a, it was like a part of my life was missing on that creative aspect to go to a, my local Cineplex or Princess Twin theaters like an independent theater um and watch something it felt like something was missing when i was there because i felt like we just didn't have anything to go back to after and review movies and things like that i don't know if you felt the same way but no i definitely like i think you're one of the few people that i consistently talk to about uh movies and tv shows and i mean again i i wasn't able to talk to you for all these months so i don't know i'm, I'm glad to be back this is fun i i uh I just enjoy talking about things I love and I enjoy talking to the people I love. And you're one of those people, Simon. Oh, it's nice to say that, that I love you too, man. I love you too. Wow. Oh, thanks dude. Yeah. It's a heartfelt moment. I didn't anticipate in the start of this podcast, but, but Adrian, I think we should move on to what we've been watching. And I feel like this is going to be a long list. So we'll try to keep it short, but I mean, I know, I know we've got a lot we've watched, especially TV shows. So let's see, uh, mm-hmm. what have you watched this week? Or what have you watched in the last seven months that's notable? Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've watched a lot, honestly. But there's really three main things I want to talk about um, that I watched last year um, that just are absolute highlights. And one of them I'm actually still watching, which is actually something I'm re-watching. So I'll start with probably one of my favorite pieces of media that I watched last year, and that is the Netflix original anime tv series cyberpunk edge runners cyberpunk edge runners is based on the video game uh, uh named cyberpunk 2077 created by um the polish studio cd project red uh it's a video game that you know i think a lot of people if you've heard of uh cyberpunk and you're not really into video games you probably heard a lot of negative things about it but the show kind of takes place in that universe, but it's a wholly original story that takes place in the main city of that video game, a place called Night City. And like Cyberpunk Edge Runners just follows this cast of, you know, characters that are really just trying to make it big um, in this 
city. What they are essentially doing is are these like odd jobs, these heists, these these gigs, as you would say, to make a name for themselves, um, to really either go out in a blaze of glory or be able to uh, retire in a way um, where you know they'll always be remembered. And this video, uh, sorry, this series is just absolutely brilliant. As someone that didn't play the game when I jumped into the uh, show, it really hooked me into the universe. And it actually, as soon as I finished. Uh, the series. I bought the game and I'm still playing it actually, you know, after now 60 hours of playing the video game, I'm slowly chipping away at it still. And I'm just super invested into Night City, this universe. And the nice part about Cyberpunk Edge Runners, it's a brisk 10 episodes, each episode's, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And it seems like it's a, you know, a one season, like they, this is the story they wanted to tell and it's one and done. I'm Sure, you know, if they wanted to, they'll go back to it, maybe have a new cast or do whatever else. But this series is genuinely brilliant. It's rated incredibly well on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, that's kind of the main reason I jumped into it, because the buzz surrounding it was very hot. Uh, and it is just brilliantly voice acted. I watched it in the English dub. That's how it's uh, naturally set, which I think makes the most sense when you're um, because, you know, Night City, I guess, is in like a it is in America, as far as I can tell. Well, definitely in America. I think it's yeah, in California. I, I would California. say also Netflix loves their English dubs. Do they not? You know, they do. They do. Squid Game. Mm hmm. Um, this is different, I'm sure. I, I'm sure they kind of focused on the English dub as their main focus for Edge Runners based on the fact that Cyberpunk 2077 is in English prior, as a priority. Yeah, very much so. And the, the animation studio behind it is an animation studio called uh, Studio Trigger, which I know is very well liked in like the anime community. They've done sh like a show, uh, what is it? Kill a Kill, which is like an older one, and a few other like very popular uh, series. So it's a really awesome, an like, uh, animation style while kind of staying like still staying true to the cyberpunk aesthetic and you know it's really cool like watching this series and you know getting all the lingo in the in the series and when i jumped into the video game i was like oh i know what eddies means i know what this means i know what that means i know about this bar yada 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 so i just got very invested into the universe and i still am invested in the universe but cyberpunk edge runners even if you're not a fan of anime you just want a really good tight 10 episode story with amazing characters and a really awesome world. I, I cannot recommend this enough. It's funny because I know you like cyberpunk, the video game as uh, Simon, you were a big supporter of it um, when it like came out and everything like that. Have you yet to get around to cyberpunk Edge runners yet? Not yet. Definitely going to, but I, I'm going to do another playthrough through, through uh, cyberpunk 2077. So that when I do that, that is when I will watch the show as well. That's my plan anyway. I like to get yeah. into the zone, like uh, it's it's synergy. You know what I mean? Brand synergy. I like I will watch The Witcher as an example on Netflix and then play the game at the same time, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I follow you. Um, and then there's two other things that I want to talk about before we really like jump into our big review. I watched House of the Dragon um, this year, which is the Game of Thrones prequel series set about 200 years prior to the show's beginning, following House Targaryen and I guess uh, their their rise uh, to be the most powerful house uh, in you know the game in Westeros in Game of Thrones. Um, and really just the civil war that takes place. And this series is genuinely phenomenal. If you are a fan of Game of Thrones, I would argue, again, there's only one season out. I think they're doing four seasons as long as it gets renewed each season, which I'm, I'm hoping it will. Very high production value, 
amazing actors and uh, amazing acting throughout it. Uh, really good, tight story once again. It's I would argue it's all the best parts of Game of Thrones, that political drama, if that's your favorite part of Game of Thrones, you know, just tied in, super focused. You're only following one family, one story realistically, as opposed to how in Game of Thrones, you know, you're following five, six stories at the same time that will, you know, maybe eventually intersect or start intercept intersecting here and there. House of the Dragon, you're following one family and you're following it closely. And, you know, there are, you know, backdoor conversations, people trying to screw one another over. But it's so good. I cannot recommend it enough. If you are a fan of Game of Thrones, you're a fan of that political drama, I it it's a 10 out of 10 would recommend. It's awesome because my uh, girlfriend, she's never watched Game of Thrones. Uh, well, actually, she has now. Uh, but she never did watch Game of Thrones. When House of the Dragon was about to air... You know, I watched the first episode with my parents and I asked my uh, girlfriend if she wanted to watch it. And she said, yeah, sure, I'll give it a try because she thought she would never like Game of Thrones. She's not a fan of, you know, fantasy all that much. Uh, you know, she didn't think it would be up her alley. And, you know, after the first episode, she's like, yeah, this is actually pretty interesting. By the time we watched the second episode the, la- the next week, she was like, oh, man, we have to wait for more. Uh, and then we ended up watching, you know, all 10 episodes week by week and now that we're done that show and that show finished airing, we actually jumped into Game of Thrones. So that's the, you know, the the other thing I want to talk about. We are on season four now. So, you know, we'll watch an episode here and there, you know, a couple times a week, um, just slowly chipping away at it. And again, I love Game of Thrones. I know a lot of people don't love the ending of it. I'm, you know, I, I don't think it's the best ending by any stretch. I think it's rushed. But these first three seasons and, you know, getting into season four, are so good. It's top tier TV. I don't know how people can dislike this series. You know, even if you don't like the fantasy elements, you don't like, you know, political drama. It's just good television. It's interesting, very well written, very well acted. Everyone's super charismatic. You know, you love watching the characters you even hate. It's uh, it's a brilliantly done show, and you know, I'm really glad I'm rewatching it. I'm I'm super into that Game of Thrones zone and. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think House of the Dragon is coming back until 2024, if I uh, remember correctly. Um, so there's going to be quite a bit of a wait there. So I think me and my girlfriend are just going to slowly chip away at Game of Thrones over the next few months. And um, I guess uh, cry until uh, House of the Dragon comes back for season two. You really like it, eh? House of the Dragon. I love it, dude. It just won a gold. I think it just won best show, didn't it? Best, Best drama? drama, uh definitely. At the Golden Globes, at the Golden Globes specifically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pretty um, good praise. Pretty high it's praise. It's amazing. I, I don't know. I've had people tell me that it was terrible at my work. I, I don't know why. I don't know. I just didn't like it. That's, yeah. To me, I can't really fathom why. Like, yeah. everyone, I mean, I haven't spoken to too many people that watched it, but, you know, I had a good handful of people that I work with that did watch it, um, and they really liked it. Uh, our mutual friend, my best friend, Peter, um, he absolutely adored it, and again, he's on the same side. Again, it's this, it's a political drama, man. It's it's all the good stuff about Game of Thrones. If you liked, you know, people having conversations and trying to screw one another over, uh, this is, I, I don't know why you'd want to miss this. I I, I can't recommend it enough. I love it. I I literally just haven't watched it because I was watching Rings of Power instead. Mm. It was like my my medieval fix. And my girlfriend and I watch a lot of shows together. And so as a result, 
I I don't have that much time to watch shows on my own that like she doesn't have any interest in watching. She didn't have any interest in watching Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon or Rings of Power. So I just watched Rings of Power and honestly, yeah, that's the real real reason that I haven't watched House of the Dragon. Otherwise, I would have because I love Game of Thrones. But mm-hmm. yeah, right on, man. Is that everything you've watched then? I've watched a bunch more, right. um, obviously, but that's really the the main things I want to touch on that I watched last year that I, I I loved. Yeah. Well, what have I watched? Oh, I've watched a lot, too much. But Rings of Power is one of them. What a great show! So well done. I really like it on Amazon Prime Video. It got really weird mixed reviews for some stupid political reasons that I don't like to talk about because it's just dumb. It's really well built. It's a very expensive show to obviously have built. <laughs> it was like a billion dollars or some ridiculous number. It broke the records for most expensive show ever. But it's amazing if you like Lord of the Rings. I'll say that it's a prequel series mm-hmm. to the Lord of the Rings, I guess movies, I guess, but Lord of the Rings books. That's fantastic. Definitely recommend it. What else have I watched that's notable here? Uh, I watched, I'm actually still watching What We Do in the Shadows. We're on season four now. That show's amazing. Season three and four, I find, have just gotten better. Of course, it's about vampire flatmates living in New York. It's awesome. It's based upon the, or it's a, I guess it's a, not really a sequel, but a spiritual sequel, I guess, to the, uh, to the movie by Taika Waititi. Great show. Definitely watch it if you're into weird, dark comedy. It gets more and more ridiculous, I feel like, as the seasons go on. One incredible notable show that I, I just cannot stress enough how amazing it is is For All Mankind. I watched that for three seasons as well. Um, that's on Apple TV Plus. And it's, a, it's an alternative history where uh, Russians, the, the Russians, the, the cosmonauts, have reached the moon first. The race for the moon, to, to get to the moon um, in 1969, the Russians get there first. Nice. And so the... United States just can't live it down. They just can't accept it. And they they basically just keep the the space race going because of the fact that they've lost. That show, especially even just the way they do time jumps, is brilliant. Definitely worth it. Apple TV Plus has incredible quality. I feel like they're up there in terms of um in terms of their um production quality, similar to HBO in a lot of ways. Cause again, every single oh. show they seem to make has just a lot of money poured into it. And Apple obviously has a lot of money. But this show is amazing. Uh, it st- stars Joel Kin- Kinnaman, if you haven't heard of it. But anyways, it's got three seasons already. Adrian, I really recommend you watch that. That and Severance. Oh, but we talked about Severance earlier in the year, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I finally finished Mr. Robot season four. Adrian, did you watch the other Mr. Robot seasons? I think you said you were stuck or you just got to season three and you didn't start season three, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, That man, this show... One of my top three shows of all time. Unbelievable. Yep. Up there with Better Call Saul and The Leftovers. That's like it's sitting in the top three. The way it ends, what an ending. Oh, my God. Sam Esmail, the director and creator, um, just does a crazy job. It's insane. I think he directed every single episode. Makes no sense. And uh, (laughs) Rami Malek is amazing. Christian Slater is amazing in it. So good. If you like anything adjacent to hacking, oh my God, please watch this show. It's amazing. Anyways, the last thing I've been watching recently, and this is again on my own because my girlfriend isn't into the whole, you know, medieval fantasy type thing, is The Witcher, and I'm watching season two. I, the only thing I have to say about this, I've watched two episodes, and I'll, I'll, I, if I have time next week, I'll talk about <laughs> what I think about this show a little bit in more detail. But I will say, what a weird second episode. The oddest choice I have ever seen in an adaptation of something. This is obviously built built based on or created based upon um, the books 
uh, the Witcher books, but it it pulls a lot of references and ideas from the video game series by CD Projekt Red, who also makes Cyberpunk uh, 2077. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of pull in everything. Henry Cavill plays the Witcher, Geralt of Rivia. Cool. First season, very weird, convoluted, does these time jumps, doing like flashbacks throughout the season. It was very confusing to follow. The, fir- the first episode of season two, I was like, whoa, I love what they did here. Season two, by the way, on Rotten Tomatoes is like above a 90. So oh, very well regarded yeah. by critics. Damn. Beloved by critics. But fans hate it. And I was like, why do the fans hate it? I wonder. I bet you anything. Because this happens all the time. Video game fans, you know, are a little bit, sometimes a little bit uh, stingy. They really, mm. and sometimes toxic in some, some ways. Um, no. no, video offense. game fans? <laughs> Not all fans of them, but anything? Oh some God. of the vocal minority on the video game side is just crazy. It's too much for me. But regardless, what I thought it was, was these fans of The Witcher 3, which was a wildly popular CD Projekt Red video game. I thought that they just were looking at the plot and they're like, this is not exactly like the lore from the books or not exactly like the lore from the, from the video games. And therefore, it made them upset. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm wrong. I, I'll, I'll just say that. I was wrong for sure. The episode two... They make one of the weirdest lore changes I have ever seen in any adaptation ever. I don't think there is a worse. I laughed. I was laughing out loud. I don't care that much about the lore of The Witcher. I don't care mm-hmm. about the, the book history. I don't care about it. But they made such a strange choice. I, I can't even fathom how it was approved. It makes no sense. It's the stupidest. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. in a show, Maybe in a show at all. It's Weirder such a dumb. armor? It's a dumb narrative choice in every capacity. I'm sorry, what? Weirder than like the phallic like penis armor that they are all wearing. Penis armor? What the hell are you talking about? Don't you remember like the like the, the they had the guards in it and they had like weird penis armor. Their armor looked like very phallic. Do you know? Oh, Nilf Guardians. The Nilf Guardians have weird armor. Yeah, that's not mm-hmm. weird. That's not. What does that? Why is that very that? See now that. That response is exactly the video game response that I expect. All these mm-hmm. video game fans are like, oh, the, the armor is not exactly like the armor in the, in the game. It, that's not, no, I'm not, I don't care about that. The, the armor looks fine. looks unique. I don't give a shit about that. Is that something that you've heard is a big criticism that people have? Is that why you're asking me that question? That's really the, one of the few things I know about that series is the penis armor. I just remember seeing the screenshots and being like, oh. That does look very phallic. You know what's funny? Yeah. I never even thought about penises when I looked at that armor. Wow, never. good for you, you the, man. <laughs> this you made me think about that just now. I don't know what that. I, that's I didn't, I didn't even know. Is that a thing that floats around the internet? Is that a meme? This is penis armor. Mm-hmm. Anyways, if you want to look at it, you can look at the armor online. It's the Nilf Guardian armor in The Witcher. Um, but no, that's 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 mild. I almost want you to watch this show. I hope you kind of play the video game and then watch the show simultaneously. You said you were going to do that, I think, many, many months back. But if yeah, you do get, watch it, it. I, I'm so curious what you think about the second episode of season two. It's such a shocking, stupid moment. It's not even, it's not good in any way. It doesn't even matter if you read or, or watched, uh, read the books or watched, played the game. It makes no difference. It's just the dumbest choice. It's one of the dumbest choices. I shouldn't say the dumbest, but it's one of the dumbest choices I've ever seen in a narrative in a movie or a TV show. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's incredible. But otherwise, it's actually going quite well for the second season. And that's it. I I don't want to recap everything I've watched. I've watched too many things. 
So let's get on to the review topic of the week. The, the thing that we've, we've watched that millions of people have watched across the world, either on HBO Max or on uh, an HBO Max adjacent channel like a, or streaming service like Crave. We watched The Last of Us, season one, episode one, on Sunday of this past week. And uh, Adrian, I'm very curious what you thought about it, because I know that you were incredibly, this was probably your most anticipated show of the last like five years, maybe. I, I feel like, I could be wrong, but I feel like it is highly anticipated for you because The Last of Us, if I'm not mistaken, is arguably your favorite game of all time. So what did you think of this first episode? Simon, you're, you're correct in all, all of those statements. I all of absolutely, them. All I of nailed them. it. I, you nailed it, dude. Unbelievable. 10 out of 10 nailing. So good at it. You're good at nailing things, dude. Okay. And uh, yeah, again, I, I, th this <laughs> a little weird. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Yeah, no worries. <sighs> I'm not thanking you, but yeah, go on. The Last of Us. What'd you think? But I, I loved it. I think this first episode of the series is brilliant. I think they did an amazing job keeping this adaptation incredibly faithful to the source material um to the you know the first game while adding and changing some you know I, I would say fairly major pieces of lore but not in a dumb way not in a way that i think would uh, you know upset fans because it definitely didn't upset me i think all the changes that they're making are going to be uh probably paid off but are beneficial to this medium you know, they, I think they're doing a lot of interesting stuff. I think the casting is absolutely brilliant. I know a lot of people were giving Bella Ramsey shit uh, for being Ellie. I never saw a problem in that. I think she's amazing uh, in Game of Thrones. It's those toxic video game fans, bro. That's what I was talking about before. Yeah. Toxic, dude, toxic. Not Whoa. always, not always. It's always the vocal, the vocal minority. It's always yeah. this like loud vocal minority of, of people that mm -hmm. just, they need it to be exactly as they imagined it in their brain. Or I guess in this case, it's on the, and on the screen. small, feeble minds, Simon, and their dumb, dumb idiot brains. It's interesting. Bella Ramsey looks a lot like Ashley Johnson. Isn't that interesting? It, she doesn't really look like Ellie from the games, but she looks mm -hmm. like the voice actor who plays... Ellie. Ellie. Do you find that? That's actually a good point. I never even picked up on that, but as soon as you mentioned it, I put like a picture side by side in my brain, and I can definitely see the resemblance. Yeah, it's more so than I feel like the the character of Ellie. I, I think that Bella Ramsey's doing a great job. And honestly, her voice mm -hmm. sounds a lot like Ashley Johnson. <laughs> That's the thing that I think surprises me the most. That's I don't, just didn't remember her voice. The only place I've ever seen Bella Ramsey in before was Game of Thrones. So. Yeah, exactly, and she's phenomenal in Game of Thrones. Um, the it, speaking of voices, Gabriel Luna, who plays Tommy in the yeah. series, yeah, it yeah, sounds yeah. exactly like Tommy from the video game. Like, there's a scene where Joel is talking to Tommy on the phone. Uh, Joel being the main character, played by Pedro Pascal. Right. Tommy again being played by uh, uh, Gabriel Luna, and they're they're briefly talking on the phone. And I literally was just like, what? what like this this sounds like tommy from the video game i, f I forget the actor that plays tommy in the video he's game. in his show too yeah it's is it jeffrey pierce Am I yeah right about that? i think you got it i think you nailed yeah. it yeah you're gonna you're gonna have the names i think down a little bit more than me because you're a bigger fan than i am although your memory is mm -hmm. not great but <laughs> i have a bad memory you are you are 100 correct um and yeah i think what they do with the characters and how they 
kind of expand on the characters is super interesting. When you're playing the video game, you're seeing everything from Joel's perspective. We're following Joel. Um, you know, he is the main character and we're seeing everything through his eyes. In the TV show, they're expanding on this because not only are we seeing things from Joel's perspective, we're seeing things from Ellie's perspective. We're, we're seeing things from Tess's perspective, who is, you know, a, a major player in the video game. And, and she seems like she'll be a major player in the TV show. She's being played by Anna Torv. And I think Anna Torv is doing a brilliant job. And they're they're kind of. I don't want to say modernizing it because that's not the right word, but they're making it more live action. They're, you know, they're not, you know, jumping out of windows and sprinting and stuff like that. When, when someone punches someone, it, it hurts their fist, you know, there's blood on their fist. It seems like this show is going to be far more visceral. Um, and I'm very excited about this. I think then, then the game, sorry, not necessarily visceral. Um, I guess like far more human, you know, there oh. is a scene where but Joel they, punches a guy in the face a bunch of times and, you know, he like puts up his knuckle and it and it shows like he just almost broke his hand, probably. Whereas in the video game, you can run through a crowd of, you know, 10 people, you bash one guy's face against a window, you hit one guy in the leg with a baseball bat, you shotgun a dude's like arm off, all of that sort of stuff. And it's so quick, so intense, where I think they're trying to make it a little bit more grounded um in in this I think, tv though, series people do die very quickly though in real life like a fight doesn't last that long theoretically mm-hmm. i don't know i i find that the game did that well that's actually something i believe the game did is that oh, it's no. just yeah it feels like it's real and it feels human in that way that's actually something that i i don't know i i don't think that the game is going to or the show is going to do it differently than the game i think it's going to follow that same direction mm-hmm. um but i don't know i know what you're talking about what scene you're talking about with pedro pascal beating a guy's face in but i feel like yeah. that that doesn't badass that's that's kind of a, a scene that you would just would don't have in the in the in the game specifically although you could i guess mm-hmm. but uh it's it's tough when you only have your fist and the other guy has a gun but yeah anyway i i, I think i know what you mean but i feel like that's where this show is doing it right is they're following the the visceral nature of how the games run mm-hmm. and is it's very immersive it, it that's what's so crazy is that I, I the only criticism I have about this show, I find that it's a little bit too gamey at sometimes. And I hope that it doesn't continue that too much. Mm. So it's like go through a tunnel. The characters, you watch them they go through a tunnel here or uh, a car crashes into another car and blocks up an alley, but they can't they can't go together. So they get separated. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know if that's that. It seemed weird because that moment as an example, I'm not going to say any specifics because we're not spoiling anything here. We don't spoil anything on this podcast Mm -hmm. specifically. Um, We'll just talk vaguely. But that moment specifically with those cars crashing, like they didn't really look for a way around very much. Like I I thought that was very interesting as as an idea. And I thought Mm -hmm. that that was a little strange and it made it feel gamey in that way. And that it's, you know, in a game, you know, Kratos is walking through an alley and he's got to lift up a big log to get to get through. Mm-hmm. And then he drops the log and then he goes, you know, it's like or there's like a there's like a, like something crashes in front of a character and it blocks off an entrance and they have to go around. And they never even consider really going through that other area. And as a gamer, you don't either because, you know, the game is telling you that that entry that you were just about to try to go through is not accessible. And that's kind of what I felt like a little bit sometimes. But on the flip side of that, the gaminess really did it just it, like they really did the gaminess justice or they used gaminess 
And what I mean by that is there's a there's a scene in a car as an example. It is almost done in a first person perspective. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning of this show, I was so stressed out. I felt like I was walking watching Uncut Gems. <laughs> I I was <laughs> I had a lot of anxiety, and, and so did my girlfriend. And I, I don't know. I you watched this with other people, right, Adrian? Yeah, I watched it with my mom and my girlfriend. Do you know what kind of like were you under that same kind of anxiety and stress? Like we've played this game before. I know what's going to happen, but I had I was like on the edge of my seat, almost shaking a little bit. Like it, the first twenty or whatever, some odd minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a stressful action packed twenty minutes, thirty minutes, yeah. whatever it is. It's yeah, crazy, but it it I think it's. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll let you jump in in a second. One second. The one thing I'll say is I think the what, the reason why it looks like this is because of the way it's shot. They shoot a lot of things very close. And it, it and I think they're doing that on purpose because in the game, there's a lot of over the shoulder. It's a third person perspective, but it's very close to mm-hmm. Joel when you play him. I think that that's their, their, the way that they've made it so anxiety ridden is it feels like you're there. And the immersion aspect is kind of what makes it that way but what would you what did you think about that i guess the first 30 minutes but also did you feel that anxiety i definitely did because i don't know you know what's coming they i think they what they do uh that's super brilliant is when the when the episode starts it takes place uh you know there's this quick sort of scene that you know explains viral infections and you know all of us that have just gone through this crazy pandemic over the past couple years um, we understand what a viral infection is at this point. And the, one of the characters that are talking, you know, starts diving into how, if we had a fungal, it's a late night talk show. Yeah, That's exactly. How it starts. What a great start, by the way, of Ooh, the show, amazing, so smart good. way to start it. And the actors they chose to, to play those characters in the, I don't know, it was like the 1960s in this. Yeah, I think it's 1969 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a version of like, almost like a, a late night with, uh, Johnny Carson or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the explanation yeah. there, amazing. Yeah, it was very well done. You know, it 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 it's cool because, you know, someone that has played the game, like you, myself, and like my girlfriend, uh, we we know how the game starts. And they, yeah. the show starts in a totally different way, which kind of sets this expectation of like, hey, everything you know might be a little different. How do we supplement it? Which is what Neil Druckmann, the creator of the game and like a co-creator mm. of the show had said, we're going to yeah. supplement the game, the story of the game. We're not going to just do it shot for shot. We're going to try to do it in a way that supplements it, which I, I really appreciate. Exactly. And, you know, they talk about like this fungal infection, like if, if fung, fungi, you know, takes over, uh, you know, human hosts, like how much more catastrophic it would be in comparison to a viral infection, because, uh, again, we've just been through a crazy viral infection. You have people that are being like, ah, it's not a big deal. And then this show's like, okay, yeah, sure. If you didn't think that a bit, that is a big deal, this one definitely would be. Like this would fuck everyone up. You know what I mean? And I think that was a really brilliant way to start it. And then you have, you know, an extended opening sequence that is like, you know, an extra 20 minutes. And it's just, you kind of know what's going to happen. So there is this level of anxiety as you're watching these characters go through these, you know, situations and, and you're, you're uncomfortable for lack of a better term. So I know exactly what you mean. And when everything starts breaking loose, when, when things start, when shit starts hitting the fan realistically, um, it's incredibly stressful. And again, in terms of it being faithful to the video game, they do a lot of the same, you know, 
stuff. They they introduce these characters uh, that are just names in the video game, but you now see them in the TV show, which is really awesome. You know, the next door neighbors, uh, you see. Uh, you know, they, they, the characters are saying the exact same lines from the video game, like I sell drugs, hardcore drugs. That's always been one of my favorite lines of the video game with, you know, Sarah telling that to her dad, Joel. Um, and it's 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 exciting. I'm, I'm it's I'm so glad that not only is the show being reviewed incredibly well, but that it is so faithful to the source material. So not only critics that maybe haven't watched or played the games love it, but even, you know, fans of the video game are absolutely adoring it. And I just can't wait to continue watching this week by week. I'm going to watch it with, you know, my mom, my parents, um, you know, my girlfriend, who uh, we're actually playing through Last of Us Part 2 right now because we played uh, the first part um, earlier, or sorry, late last year. Um, so, yeah, again, I'm, I'm very excited. HBO just, you know, sets the standard, I think, consistently for its level of quality, even shows that, you know, I don't, necessarily enjoy out of hbo like i've talked about how i tried getting into the righteous gemstones which seemed like a show i i should love because it has a great cast like john goodman and D danny mcbride but i just couldn't get into it but i can't deny that the quality of show the the production value is is high um and right that's what that's my talk about apple tv plus i feel like the production mm -hmm. value is very high there too but the shows don't always hit i feel like they don't always yeah. they're not always fantastic but there's a lot of their shows, like Apple TV Plus shows, are actually really good. They've been very good for the last couple of years, I feel like. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, HBO's got really, like it's it's a it's definitely the front runner. I feel like for quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's really good. Ninety nine percent. The Last of Us on Rotten Tomatoes currently, as we Ooh. as we talk here, it's pretty good. And the audience score is really high too. So 96 percent on that. So pretty pretty good scores on that one. Yeah, it's again amazing first episode and I, I know you kind of touched this but touched on this but pedro pascal is so good his accent is really good too i agree like i feel like he did a great job in general he looks like joel i i believe he's joel and it's so early on it's very good he made an incredible first impression and i believe that bill ramsey is ellie and and again the the other call out there with um what's his name gabriel tommy. luna yeah. yeah tommy very good man Great. There's some shot composition that's just brilliant in this too. There's this one shot of the alarm clock. I don't know if you recall that. Yep. There's this really cool way that they show these various time jumps, like time, like it could be hours, but like they, they do that very, very well. It's a long episode, an hour and 20 minutes. I thought it was going to be like mm -hmm. 50 minutes to an hour. I don't know if you anticipated the, the length of the first episode there, but... No, not at all. But I'm I'm glad that they spent that much time for this first episode. I think anyone that watched this, or most people that watch this, I it gets to the point, which is nice. You know, that's what a pilot episode should be. Uh, get your hooks in, people. And I think that's exactly what this episode did. Yeah, no, it didn't waste any time. Like being an hour and twenty minutes, even though it's a longer episode than most pilots, it's still it just gets to the point. Like it just it's a roller coaster pretty much through the whole thing. Like there's a lot happening. There's some dialogue, just some more mundane things. There's not always action. Um, and there's not unnecessary violence, which is nice. There's not just mm -hmm. like bang, bang, shooty, shooty, like most video game movies potentially. So that's really cool too. Adrian, yeah. for episode one, when you're lost in the dark, what would you rate it out of, out of five? Five out of five, baby. Five out of five, Simon Dennis Edie. Five out of five. Wow. Yeah. 
Hundred percent score. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I would give it a and and the episode is by the way called "When You're Lost in the Darkness." The when you're lost in the dark. Look for the light. But uh, I'm gonna go with uh, four and a half out of five. You son of a gun! How take that back? No, I'm just kidding. You're entitled to your opinion. It's an incredibly faithful, incredibly faithful adaptation. It's not perfect. I, I feel like there's some things I could adjust it. I feel like again, one of those, those things was the the sheer gaminess of, of certain aspects. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I thought it was it was brilliant overall, and I'm so excited to see what, where they go from here. Me too. So our final score, I assume, is nine point five out of ten, baby. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Just like you. We don't always like to rate things. I don't love rating things because my score often changes, but we just thought it would be fun. <laughs> and so that's one change that we've made for episode 101 and onward is that we, when we review something, we're going to rate it out of five, each of us, and then we'll add that score together and it will mm-hmm. come up with our split focus final score. Yes. And the best part about this is that our opinions will constantly change and we won't tell you about it. <laughs> Well, I might, but uh, yeah, oh, I don't know. whoa, whoa! We'll see how um, that goes. But anyways, we're, yeah. we're starting this trend. We'll see how it goes, and we'll we'll continue it if it works. I think it's worked so far, uh, and we'll we'll kind of go from there. Adrian, should we move on to the news, my friend? Should we move on to the news? Definitely not. Okay, well that's that's too bad. Okay, oh. all right, Adrian. Let's begin with our focus news story this week. A story that we've determined to be the most exciting piece of news in the film and TV industry over the past six months. And Adrian, this is a big one. So buckle your seatbelts or your seatbelt. I'm buckled in, Simon. I'm buckled in. Okay, ready? Let's do it. In our podcasting absence over the last little while, many changes occurred throughout the film and TV industry. But one of the most impactful moments was the hiring of the Suicide Squad director, James Gunn, and Aquaman producer, Peter Safran, as co-chairman of the DC Film and TV Universe. This news was made official through a press release on the Warner Brothers Discovery website, where their reign as DC leaders was announced to begin on November 1st, 2022. The new hired leadership initially might have eased the minds of some, but overall it has been very difficult to predict the DC Universe's direction when you look back upon the last six months to a year. Prior to our split focus hiatus in June of 2022, it was rumored that the newly minted Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslov was in search of a leader for the DC Universe akin to Disney's Marvel executive producer, Kevin Feige. Shortly after that rumor circulated and prior to Safran and Gunn's appointment, Saslov canceled the release of the almost finished HBO Max Batgirl film starring Leslie Grace, while also doubling down on the commitment to release the Ezra Miller starring Flash movie. This dedication to IT director Andy Muschietti's Flash film came off as a bit of a surprise to some, when one considers Ezra Miller's consistent trouble with the law over the past year. Only about a week ago, Miller pled guilty to trespassing in Vermont and is now expected to complete a year of probation. The Flash movie, which will co-star Batman actors Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck, is still currently set for release on June 16, 2023. Right before Gunn and Zafran's leadership appointment, Superman actor Henry Cavill announced on social media that he would be returning as Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, to the DC Extended Universe, while he simultaneously announced that he would be leaving Netflix's The Witcher TV series after Season 3. But the excitement for this Superman news was short-lived, when the two newly appointed co-chairmen met with Cavill to deliver the news that they would be casting a new, younger version of Superman for their new universe, and Cavill would be out as the Man of Steel, at least for the time being. 
Shortly after Cavill's demotion and the release of the middlingly received Black Adam movie to theaters, Black Adam actor Dwayne The Rock Johnson announced on social media that he too had a meeting with Gunn and Safran, where he was told that all future Black Adam projects were also to be shelved. Ever since that Cavill and Black Adam news was released to the public, Gunn and Safran have been facing unnecessarily harsh and often unacceptable aggressive backlash on social media. It got to the point where James Gunn made the decision to boldly post on Twitter denouncing the vitriol, while also making it very clear that the online hate by this loud vocal minority will never actually amount to any sort of influence on their decisions as DC leaders. Gunn went on to say that their, quote, choices for the DCU are based upon what they believe is best for the story and best for the DC characters, unquote. Nonetheless, it has been arguably a very rocky year for the DC Universe and its fans, with its seemingly spontaneous and consistently untethered direction. One bright spot in an otherwise uncertain DC future, though, was the Batman director Matt Reeves' recent reveal during an interview with publication Collider that the Batverse, aka the Bat-Reeves-averse, mm -hmm. will remain a separate entity from the Gun-Safran DC universe. This should mean that the Matt Reeves film The Batman, the upcoming Colin Farrell Penguin-centered TV series on HBO Max, and all future Robert Pattinson starring Batman movies would remain siloed in their own dark and dreary Gotham City. So, where does this leave us as DC film and TV fans? A lot is still unclear. But James Gunn did hype up on Twitter at the end of December that we should expect a DC film and TV slate update by the fast approaching end of January 2023. Ooh. Adrian, what do you make of this ridiculous amount of news? Because, I mean, to catch up on all of it was a little bit troublesome. I'm sorry for the mm -hmm. longness, the longness, the length of this news story. It's a long one, but a lot yeah. did happen. And uh, let's start, I guess, with the obvious. What do you think about the the appointment of James Gunn and uh, Peter Safran? I'm a fan of this overall appointment. I'm happy that he was hired on as a leader in the, again, akin to Kevin Feige. I think that that's cool. I think that they definitely need that personally. What do you think about it? I guess is the question. No, I, I agree completely. I feel like I don't know why it took them this long to do. And I think the biggest issue with this is that it seems like James Gunn and Peter Safran, uh, they're probably gonna, I, I assume, reboot this universe. You know, they're recasting some characters. It's all it's all a little confusing. That's why I'm very excited to hear about, you know, what they're going to announce by ideally the end of this month. Because, again, there's there's some really good stuff in the DCEU. I know me and you are both fans of Batman v Superman. Um, you know, I love uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League movie. You know, I think The Suicide Squad's great. You know, uh, Peacemaker's awesome. And now it's it's in this odd situation where, I mean, of course, Batman v Superman's going to be sh like, they probably won't uh, use that anymore and everything. But, you know, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad and Peacemaker both phenomenal. Is he going to keep any of that? Are those all going to be shelved? Is this going to be a totally no. clean slate? It's, it's tough to really know. And I feel like it's going to muddy the waters when you're trying to, you know, start fresh, you know, what can you keep? What can't you keep? What is Canon? What isn't Canon? Um, yeah. It's going to be tricky for yeah. sure. Like how do we, how does the audience know who's not paying attention to this? Like we are, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you're a fan of the DC universe in general, any film and TV, video games, comics, whatever it may be, you're keeping track of it. Probably. But for the average moviegoer, is, is basically the people they need to pull in to watch the movie in theaters when they eventually come out. 
those are the audience members that you got to try to market to because otherwise you're not going to succeed where Marvel did. And yep. that's the tricky part. If they don't, they can't keep track of the universe because it's a complete mess. How are they going to know what to do? And if the Flash movie's coming out still, which is the shocking part, I think that's really weird, personally. I agree. What do you do from what do you do from here? Like how do you how do you do this? I don't know. I again I, I, I still I know you disagree with this point, but I think if anything, the best tr- course of action, if you want to keep some of this stuff, you use the Flash movie as like a reboot of sorts. You kill off Ezra Miller's Ezra Miller's version of the Flash at the end. He somehow reboots the universe. Some people get brought into like this extended universe that they're recreating. I, I don't know how you do it in a good way, honestly. And I do not You kill the- him off. Sorry. What do you mean you kill him? Off? You kill off Ezra Miller's version of the Flash because I think that's just that. That I, I maybe you kill him off at the end of the movie when he's, or sorry, uh, not he. My my bad. He, uh, when when they, you know, I guess the Flash is a he, so I could say say, say that. Yeah, you kill off. He, yeah, yeah, that's uh, You kill him off. The um, reason why you're saying that we're trying to be respectful. Ezra Miller goes by they them, so we're just yes. trying, that's why you're doing that. That's fair. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he is the Flash. So yeah, you're gonna kill off the Flash. I feel like no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that that part I don't agree with. I agree with you that they're going to try to soft reboot it from the Flash movie potentially. Mm-hmm. Also, the Suicide Squad movie is, I think, canon. And I think that the, I, I'm pretty certain that James, not, Gunn's, James Gunn's not going to remove his stuff. So the Peacemaker mm-hmm. show, which I think was greenlit initially for second season, wasn't it? Before he was hired on as the- It was. Leader. as Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to happen. So I feel like that, that that stuff is canon, I think. And, I mean, Peter Safran produced the Aquaman movie, and it's the highest grossing somehow DC movie of all time, I believe, for some <laughs> I, ridiculous nonsense. Yeah, I can't fathom. Nonsense. I don't Jason Momoa is an attractive dude. Maybe just brought in a lot of like women. And, and men, maybe. Dudes that are attracted. Yeah. And, and dudes that are attracted to him. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, no, it's uh it's odd. <laughs> I don't I think that the weirdest thing about this, and this is the this is my criticism of this whole situation. So they got all this stuff, right? Henry Cavill, like this is such a weird mess. Henry Cavill announces that he's mm-hmm. coming back as Superman, and then like two weeks later, <laughs> it felt like a very short time. Like two weeks to a month later, he's like, Oh, actually, never mind. <laughs> I'm not Superman. Psych bitch. <laughs> I'm not Superman anymore. Like, how are they this? My issue is how are they this disorganized? How? At this level, they've made mistakes after mistake. Like the Batgirl fiasco is a disaster, in my opinion. I agree. People were upset about that. It was stupid. It makes no sense. They wasted a ton of money making that movie. I know it wasn't for theaters, so it wasn't as big budget. That's fine. But it was going to go to HBO Max, and it and it had some money in, in it. Like they almost done the movie. It was, I think it was like a couple months to being finished. Yeah. And it had a crazy cast. J.K. Simmons was in it. I think, wasn't Michael Keaton in that one as well? Michael Keaton was indeed in that one as well, yeah. He was. Yeah. So what the heck? Like that, That's such a weird blunder. So you did that, fine. You did it for a tax cut. That was the rumor. That they, they did that because they needed to, they needed to, they needed to trim the fat. Like since yeah. uh, Discovery and Warner Brothers merged, they had to cut like billions of, like a few billion dollars out of their lineup to make it more lean and make sure that they didn't go under. I guess they were worried mm-hmm. about bankruptcy or or not being healthy. It's all about shareholders, ultimately. But it, they did some weird things. That was a very strange choice. But then they doubled down on like the Ezra Miller staying as the Flash in the Flash movie. 
It's not like they're doing reshoots like they did with Kevin Spacey and with that movie, whatever that movie was that they hired Christopher Plummer to yeah. replace Kevin Spacey. What was that movie yeah. called? The World Burns or something like that? It was a yeah. Guy gets his ear chopped off and sent in the mail. I think that's the name. <laughs> I don't think so. The World Kevin Spacey. Ah, goodness. It's one of Christopher Plummer's last movies, I think. But that was easier, I guess, because he's not in the movie a lot. So it wasn't like he had, they had to reshoot that a tremendous amount, but all the money in the world. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, it's a very weird situation. So all that happens, Batgirl gets canceled. Then Henry Cavill announces, and then they decide to get rid of him. <laughs> like, okay. And then the Black Adam movie was hype, 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 hype for months. And then I guess they kind of knew they maybe had a stinker. And they had to let it air. Yeah, it just came out like a wet fart. Yeah. Like, it was, like, it, that movie was the most, like, whatever movie I, I think I've seen in a while. Like, it wasn't atrocious. Yeah. There was definitely enjoyable elements. Like, I think Pierce Brosnan in particular was very enjoyable, like, to watch. He was, he was awesome in it. But I think that movie was, it... I don't know. It didn't feel like Morbius, whereas like Morbius was a genuinely atrocious movie, which like learned, like didn't learn since like the early 2000s, like the mistakes of like superhero films. But I feel like Black Adam was a a movie that hasn't, that didn't learn from like 2010. You know what I mean? It had like eight extra years on Morbius to develop and figure out what's not good. And then they just didn't push that extra, you know, 12 years is is the way I would put it. (laughs) That's that's an interesting way to put it. I, 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 I kind of liked Black Adam, but I, I also thought that some of the writing is very hokey and terrible. How did he know English? That's a, it's just I know, and they don't explain it. <laughs> he just wakes up and he knows English. I don't think that's ver- that's a spoiler. Like he just somehow knew English, and he's yeah. he's from an ancient civilization that clearly did not speak English because there's flashbacks of them not speaking English. So yeah. how did he know English? It makes no sense. How did he know it? It's stupid, and like there's a bunch of stupid things like that, and they and there's like a, almost like um, our, the writers were like, the audience doesn't care, they're super they're superhero movie fans, they just don't care, you know. If they you can, it's like this is one of my arguably my least favorite argument that anyone makes about anything. If I argue that the plot doesn't make sense of a movie, well, they're like, oh, does it make sense that he can fly? <laughs> That's not relevant. <laughs> I can't stress enough the logic in the world, the universe itself has to add up. The logic that they set, they set the rules as writers for the, sh- for the movie or the TV show, and they have to follow their rules. That's what I require for it not to be a plot hole. And they didn't, and that's my issue. Because they had no explanation as to why that would be. Yeah. But if you want to ar- argue with me, please don't ever make that argument. That's the, yeah. that's the, I feel like the thing I'm going to throw into the ether. Please don't do that. Oh, you've killed a man for less. Yeah. Do you think it's realistic that 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 Superman can shoot lasers out of his eyes? Huh. Huh. And it, well, who cares if he can speak English? Like that's not an argument. That's just stupid. It's just it's dumb. Sorry. Yeah. But anyway, the Black Adam movie. By the way, we we watched a tremendous number of movies this year. We didn't mention any of them. <laughs> funny enough, mm-hmm. in the things that we watched. I think the reason why we did that, and I, I was just looking through it just now, just I was like, oh, wait, that's weird. <laughs> in our quick mentions, our, our, our mentions of things we've watched in the last seven months, roughly. Yeah. Whereas The Last of Us, obviously, we watched this week. Mm-hmm. We never mentioned a single movie. And the reason why that is, is because we're stuck with TV shows for so long. I think that that must be why. Because we're watching them for such long periods of time, eight episodes, 10 episodes. 
Yeah. They're more memorable in that way. We watched a lot of good movies and some bad ones. We watched Black Adam, obviously. That was mm-hmm. average. I watched 76 movies last year. I keep a Wow, tally. that's pretty Yeah. It's pretty good, man. Yeah. It's pretty good. Are you using Letterboxd to track that or just the, the good old notes app there? Uh, I, I use Letterboxd, but not to track them all. Like, I got to go back into it. I always, like, fill it in because it's just anytime I'm at the theater, I finish watching a movie. I just, like, go into my notes real quick and just, like, write down the date. But I got to, like, actually go into Letterboxd and do that more. I'm going to – I'm gonna. that's my commitment to you, Simon. Just you. I'm going to do my Letterboxd more. Yeah. Letterboxd, by the way, if you don't know, is, a, is an app that basically tracks what movies you've watched. And I rate each of my movies and I change the rating actually quite often in order to line them up with what I believe to be equal ratings for what I believe to be a good movie. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's again, ratings for movies in general. And this is meant to be fun. That's why we're doing it on the podcast now, but it's, it's very subjective. Obviously it's the way you like or don't like a film. Black Adam actually is rated very highly. I believe on Rotten Tomatoes, like on an audience perspective. But on a critic's perspective, it isn't so well rated. Like I'm checking it right now. Audience thought it was what, Adrian? Guess guess what the audience score was for on Rotten Tomatoes for Black Adam out of 100%. Uh, let's say 72. 88% oh. of audience members with over 5,000 verified ratings. 88. Jeez Louise. Yeah. And guess what the critics thought of it? 38 Wow, you were so close. You almost said nine. I I, I heard. Oh, it. I should I have said it. nine. Yeah, it was thirty nine. It's thirty nine percent. So the critics obviously thought it was bad, and they're arguably the reason is is similar probably to what we were saying. Like the the plot mm-hmm. just didn't. It just doesn't add up at, at certain points. But I like the characters. It's funny. It reminds me of like, it's way better than this, by the way. But like the first Suicide Squad movie, I thought that mm-hmm. the characters were like played very well by the actors. That plot is a disaster, so don't even... Yeah, that's, uh, that's a started. garbage movie, dude. That's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, maybe. Um, but the, I thought that you know Margot Robbie was great. I thought Will Smith was great, honestly. I thought that a lot of the actors in that... Joel Kinnaman was great. Jai Courtney. Yeah, Jai Courtney was good. Yeah, I thought there was... I, oh, and... Um, Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Exactly. What's, what's her name, though? I was thinking about her character's name. Ooh, uh, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller. Thank you. Oh, you're killing it today. Yeah, you, you got a bad memory? Come on. Dude, I'm not even rusty anymore. I, it's like uh, I... I uh, right back into the swing of things. I got a I got CLR bathroom cleaner. I just dumped it all over me, dude. Got rid of all the calcium, lime, and rust. <laughs> we're, not, we're not associated with CLR in any way. Yeah. So you're aware they're, they're advertisers. So if you've got a competitor to CLR, feel free to hook us up if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's my whole story with this situation. One thing I will say I love is thank God the Bat Reeves Averse is separate. Yes. That is the only thing I was honestly worried about. I The rest of the universe can go away. I don't give a crap because it's terrible, in my opinion. It's so incohesive, not connected at all. And the thing that I would say is is the only thing I'm really looking forward to is what Matt Reeves can pull off with his HBO show with the Penguin Bat and Reeves, the Ep- yeah. Sure, what he can do with the Penguin, but also what can he can do with the sequels to the Batman movies with Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. So that I'm actually looking forward to more than anything else in any kind of DC universe. Then the last thing I was I was going to say, but I just got sidetracked by nonsense because it was there's a lot here in the story. There is. The problem with this whole situation, in my opinion, is how is it that James Gunn and Safran were hired on, but they didn't have a plan ready to go? Why announce this at all? He's already working for them anyway. 
So why mm-hmm. not just do it in secret? You come out swinging. Here's the slate. We're the leaders. Look at us go. None of this nonsense with Henry Cavill getting higher than fired and Black Adams in and out. No, 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 no. I, I'm not what? Am I like a freaking businessman? I'm not a genius. This is basic. Am I not correct, Adrian? Is it not, is it not the best way to do it? You know that the DC universe is already a disaster. Mm-hmm. Whatever. The DC extended universe. Whatever it's called. Now it's the, the DC universe. Now it is, but it was the DCEU before, right? Yeah. More like the DCPU. That's, it sucks. Yeah, P-U, <laughs> a child, childish, childish <laughs> joke that was. But anyways, would you agree that like, I, I mean, we're just two guys on a podcast, but is that we not are- the correct way to do this? If you're trying to create a cohesive type of situation when you're being like attacked on Twitter on a consistent basis by these ridiculous Snyderverse people every single day, wouldn't you just come out with, here it is, this is it, get ready. Why would you do it in a way that's like, Oh, we're doing it. Uh, now we're creating the roadmap and we're going to release some of the films. We're going to announce some of them by the end of January. Are you confident in us? Are you confident? Henry Cavill's not in though. I know you, I know you love him. You know, you love Henry Cavill? Oh, he was in for a second. But he loves you too. No, no, no. We took him away. We decided we don't want him. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I think it was a just like the DCPU. Um, this you know rollout is a is a total mess. But again, I, I think I'm fairly confident what James Gunn and Peter Safran uh, are going to do. And at least they you know clarified that the Bat Reeves verse is still going to be active. So I, I, just like you, I'm very happy about that. I really like the Batman, and I'm super curious what they're going to do with that Penguin series. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It must be something penguin. to like appease. Yeah. Penguin series. Uh, it must be something to appease like their shareholders. Like maybe they have to say these things. I don't know. I'm not a businessman. So I, I don't really know what, what the rules are for that, but maybe it was something that they had to say. Like what, what part, what do they have to say? Like that? Hey, like we hired these guys and now they're making a plan. Like maybe they have to keep it updated in that way. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm no, I'm no businessman. So I'm, you might be right. Maybe they le- legally have to, or some re- reason like that. But I, I like, why would you let Henry Cavill do that? There, that, that plan to hire James Gunn and Peter Saf. I've been seeing Safran. Am I an idiot? Is it Safran? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I've never heard it said. Yeah. Neither have I. But regardless, Peter Safran and James Gunn are hired. You know, that's happening in the background. It's a secret, sure, but how do you? Who let Henry Cavill announce that he was coming back? I have no clue. <laughs> that's the question. I just don't understand this. It's just it, it, that's what doesn't doesn't instill confidence, and that's what's worrying. But honestly, because of the fact that I'm more invested in the Bat Reeseverse than anything else, I'm not super worried. I'm so happy that that's separate. I'm like, let's show. I mean, you can't go much lower than this. I mean, the bar is low. <laughs> so let's let's go up from there. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of the Flash movie, I want to see Michael Keaton again as Batman. So heck yeah, that wasn't canceled. No problem. <laughs> I don't care if it's rebooted after that. Scrap it right after. I don't care. But I want to see Bat- Michael Keaton wear the cape and cowl again. That's it. Yeah. It's weird, though, because, like, I mean, they also have Aquaman, the second Aquaman coming out after the Flash and they still have Shazam coming out so- shortly. So Shazam. Now that's definitely a mispronunciation. Yeah. Shazam. Come on. <laughs> Get real. 
<laughs> what is a sh- what is a shazam in the in the lightning of darkness or something like that? Is that- I do. I don't think. I don't think that's what it's called. But it, shazam and and there's a dragon. I just punched a <laughs> no, dragon or whatever. It, it, sh- sh- <laughs> I don't know why, why are we saying shazam? It's shazam no fury of the gods. Shazam. Okay. Shazam. <laughs> that's what he says. Zachary <laughs> Levi says shazam. Yeah. Really loud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Yeah, that's it for this story. This this is a developing story. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about this on uh, future weeks here. This is exciting. I'm curious to see what uh, James Gunn actually announces. It could be this week. Maybe by the end of the week oh. on Friday, he just announces this uh, this DC slate. Who knows? Yeah. All right, Adrian. Now on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present seven of the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one. Moving past the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's controversy in 2022, network NBC aired the 80th annual Golden Globes on January 10th, 2023. The most notable award winners include director Martin McDonough's The Banshees of Inisherin, taking home three awards, including the prize for Best Picture Comedy or Musical, and director Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, taking home two awards, including the prize for Best Picture Drama. Oh, right on. Uh, the Banshees of In- Inisherin. Inisherin. Uh, is a movie I did watch. Really good. Me too. Really great. Indeed. That was an, yeah, that's an amazing movie. Yeah. Number two, as reported by Variety, ABC mockumentary style sitcom Abbott Elementary has been renewed for a third season. This renewal was announced days after Abbott Elementary took home the Golden Globes for Best Comedy Series, Best Lead Actress for Quinta Brunson's performance, and Best Supporting Comedy Actor for Tyler James Williams' performance. Oh, I watched the first season of Abbott Elementary while we were off. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not amazing. I think it follows a lot of those, like, typical mockumentary-style tropes. These, like, sitcom tropes. But it's still really funny. And uh, I laughed out loud multiple times. Number three, as People Magazine has reported, actor Jeremy Renner is making solid progress in his recovery after he was rushed to the hospital for an emergency surgery on New Year's Day. Renner was unfortunately crushed underneath his runaway snowplow after attempting to clear his property of snow after a snowstorm. Yeah, that sucks. I'm glad that he didn't uh, get deceased from that and he's uh, recovering awful situation hopefully he has a good and swift recovery did you see what ran over him it's crazy yeah i did it's fucked dude <laughs> that thing's huge that thing's huge man yeah absolutely demolished yeah glad he's alive but yeah he's okay glad he's okay number four as publication variety reports director james cameron's juggernaut blockbuster avatar the way of water has garnered a 1.893 billion dollar box office total worldwide industry analysts predict that the way of water will become the sixth highest grossing film by surpassing Disney Marvel's Spider-Man No Way Home within the week. Wild stuff. I still haven't watched this. Again, I think we discussed Avatar. Was it this year that we discussed Avatar? And I don't think neither of us really love it. I, I definitely am way softer on it than you, but I, don't know, I still kind of want to watch this. I'm just not in a, a rush. I would rather watch the Puss in Boots movie, I'll be honest with you. Let's do it. Number five, as entertainment website IGN reports, Amazon Prime video series The Boys Season 4 will potentially feature, quote, the most disgusting thing, unquote, that producer and visual effects supervisor Stephen Fleet has ever seen on a television show. Oh my god, I love disgusting things. The Boys is pretty good. It's enjoyable. How can they top what happened in the beginning of Season 3? I don't know. Or the the weird penis tentacle? The hero-gasm? Is that what you're referring to? No. 
there's a weird, very weird scene in the beginning of season three. Hmm. Just think back. I think it's episode one. Anyway, never mind. You you can look that up. I don't need to describe it here. And that would be kind of a spoiler. So number six. As Variety reports, legendary 90-year-old composer John Williams recently revealed in an interview with director Steven Spielberg at the Writers Guild Theater for American Cinematheque that he is not actually retiring from film music composition post Indiana Jones 4 after all. Well, that's wonderful news. He makes some good stuff, that John Williams guy. Number seven. As covered by publication The Hollywood Reporter, Network FX's Sons of Anarchy spinoff series Mayans MC will end after its fifth and final season. I'll be honest, I totally forgot this show existed. Um, I, I enjoyed Sons of Anarchy enough. Uh, maybe I should watch this Mayans MC series. And that concludes the montage. Montage, we're back, baby. Reboot, soft reboot time. Adrian, what do you have for me? Oh, Simon, I got new theatrical releases for you with special streaming mentions. <laughs> you don't have to read the title, but it, it is a different roll off the tongue as well. <laughs> you, you can kind of we can massage the title, but anyways, this is a a similar segment to what we had before. But we found, or at least I found, that a lot of the mentions of the releases, the new releases. This is a new releases segment, basically. But a lot of the mm. mentions we had in the previous version of the podcast were movies that nobody watches, and they were movies that were I don't know, they weren't very popular and various mm-hmm. for various reasons it's it was silly to kind of go over all of them but we decided that we're going to do a new theatrical releases focus especially because we believe in the theatrical experience adrian that's true we got that you know that cine club membership at cineplex here in canada and we're Ooh, fuck yeah we do we're loving it it's a great deal yeah. it's a great deal it's what it is a theater but we're going to truncate this section a little bit and really focus on the on the new releases, the new exciting releases, but also kind of go into some of the bigger streaming releases. Um, like if a movie like, I don't know, The Adam Project comes out or The Ab- Adam Project 2. Glass Onion. Yeah. yeah, that's a great example. Although Glass Onion, um, A Knives Out Mystery was actually a theatrical release first, like two weeks before. So there's that. Yeah, for like a week. It was weird. I don't know why they did that. But I think it was two weeks. Yeah. I think, well, I think Ryan Johnson probably asked for that, right? The first Knives Out movie was on, not on Netflix. It was on in theaters first. And then yeah. they kind of bought up his next two sequels, I think. And so I think yeah. they just, just decided that it would be best for Knives Out to be a theatrical release again. And, and I almost feel bad for not going to see that in theaters, actually. I did want to, but it, it's such a busy time of year because it was released yeah. at the end of or the beginning of December. Was it the mm. end of December? No, it was beginning of December or end of November. I can't remember exactly when, but it was like I think it was the week of Black Friday, so end of November, right? Which, I mean, we're retail workers, so it's kind of yeah. tough to try to. It's it's a tough time of year for us. We're very busy, and so we didn't make it to as many movies during that period. I kind of watched a few movies on online. Like I saw the Pinocchio movie. I don't know if you watched that with by, uh, no, the, uh, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie. No. Yeah. I think, I think like it's listed in some places as Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's very good. By the way, the stop motion is amazing. It's pretty weird at times. I feel like my girlfriend didn't love certain aspects of it. I think Mm -hmm. there were some things. It's funny. She just walked by, as I said, my girlfriend, like I summoned her. Like a genie. You're a mage. You're a summoner from Final Fantasy. Oh, I was thinking she was the genie. Like she popped out of the lamp. Like I, I said the name and she's like, boom. 
Poom. Oh. That's a sound effect that like uh, genies make when they come out of Aladdin. Like Aladdin. Yeah. However, you're not Aladdin. Right. Anyway, very sidetracked here. Point is, great movie. Anyways, what are the new releases this week, Adrian? What do you have Ooh. for me? Well, I got new theatrical releases with special streaming. No, I'm not going to say that again. Anyways, uh, so these movies, uh, just, yeah, a couple movies that are re- releasing theatrically. Um, this is for, realistically, the week this comes out. So I'm just going to say from Wednesday, January 18th to Tuesday, January 24th. Um, so that week. So there's two major movies that are coming out on Friday, January 20th. The first one is a movie called Missing. And it's about a daughter using all the internet tools at her disposal at her disposal, at her disposal, as she's searching for uh, her mother who's missing. So it's interesting because this movie looks incredibly similar to the movie Searching, which came out in 2018, starring John Cho. That movie was directed and written by Anish Chagnati. This movie seems to be a spiritual successor of sorts, because although it's not directed by Anish Chagnati, he is one of the two writers on this movie. So oh, there is actually cool. a connection. Sweet. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neat thing. Like the, the way it's done again with all the social media stuff, it's like mm-hmm. a very digital movie. Like there's no traditional cinematography. Like they're not shooting anything that's not on a digital form, I guess. Like you would see mm-hmm. on Facebook messenger or like Uber or it's kind of neat. Like that John yeah. Chong movie missing was pretty good. I yeah, it was really good. Enjoyed it. I don't know if I would say I need to see another one of those necessarily. I, I feel like I could just watch that movie again. But anyway, that's cool. I, I'm I'm probably down to watch this potentially. I feel like again though, my pro- priority still would probably be Puss in Boots. Yeah, in theaters. But me too. Just saying. We maybe me should too. see Avatar: The Way of Water for an educational reason. It's one. Of, it's arguably the biggest movie of the year for 2022 anyway yeah we definitely yeah we probably should but i do want to watch puss in boots i also want to watch skinnamarink did you hear about skinnamarink no so this is like a it's a it's a super low budget horror movie about these like two kids that wake up in their house but all their windows and doors are gone oh and it looks really good it looks like terrifying and i really want to watch it it's playing i think it's like a limited release it came out i don't know a week or so ago Okay. And it's playing at like the Apollo and Princess. Interesting. I really want to watch that movie. But anyways, that's a quick aside. The other movie that's coming out, Simon, in theaters is the movie called The Sun. And that's by Florian Zeller of the father fame. And he's coming back with another undoubtedly sad movie starring Hugh Jackman, Laura Dern, Anthony Hopkins, and more. Hugh Jackman is the son in this case. In his movie, The Father... Anthony Hopkins was the father. And I presume Anthony Hopkins is the father once again in the son, but a different father. What? I, I, don't, I don't know how I could have explained that any clearer. That was incredibly unclear. And I don't think there's that much relate. I don't think they're related. Are they? They're not other than Flor- Florian Zeller. Right. And the movies are, the names of the movies are somewhat similar in that they're. Correct. Members of a family type yes. names. Yes. Right. Okay. Excellent. Thanks for that. Yeah. Great description. No worries anytime. Next movie. And then, uh, so there's no more movies coming out to theaters from what I can tell, but there is a, I guess, a special streaming mention. Uh, it's Jung underscore E. Uh, this is a Netflix original movie. Um, it's, a, it's also coming out on Friday, January 20th, by the way. And it's a Korean post-apocalyptic flick by Yeon Song Ho. 
if his name rings a bell, he's the director of Train to Busan, which is an absolutely stellar movie. But he is also the director of the sequel film Peninsula, which is a totally shit movie. And I didn't even finish it. And then he also did the Netflix series Hellbound, which I didn't watch. Right. So interesting. So this one could be a hit or miss. But speaking yeah. of foreign films, because I just we hadn't talked about this because we this aired in a spot in 2022 where we were off and not podcasting. But have you looked at all into the movie RRR? I, I heard about it. Yeah. Like I heard it's really good, but it's like it's a long investment. It's like three hours. Oh, is it? Oh, OK. Yeah. So I was like curious about watching it because I heard it's really good. It's like one of the best. I think it's a Bollywood movie, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what it's about. Uh, but apparently it's stellar. So I was like curious about it, but then I was like, do I really want to invest three hours right now? It's a lot of time, yeah. But to be fair, like, I don't know. I went to the theater where we watched Drive My Car and that was like a three uh, three plus hour Japanese flick. That's very just like, it's a slice of life sort of thing. And I absolutely adored that. Yeah, maybe we're going to go watch Avatar The Way of Water and that's like a blue people flick. So, oh yeah, it's like three hours and 20 minutes. A bunch of blue, whatever. blue alien people. Ugh. Just far less interesting, arguably. <laughs> But anyway. God, it's so long, dude. I, God, like it's crazy how many people love this series. How is it possible that it made one point eight billion dollars? Almost one point nine. It makes no sense, dude. That like Avatar, the first Avatar movie, came out like almost fifteen years ago. Why do people still care about this? That first movie isn't that great. I stand by that. I don't. I don't like it. I think that first movie's long it's boring and other than like the world of pandora which i find incredibly interesting and cool i think the story sucks and jake sully sucks he's the main character i just find him kind of annoying he's an idiot so i just i, I can't <laughs> I, don't, I don't find anything annoying about it i just find them feel like everything about it is just kind of okay like it's just kind yeah. of mediocre and i will say especially in 2009 the graphics in avatar the first mm -hmm. avatar movie that movie is like beautiful to look at. And at the time it was like groundbreaking. It's not as groundbreaking to look up. at now. It does hold yeah. up, but that's what's so impressive about it. It was a, it was also it sold TVs at the time in in, ter mm. in terms of like its 3D capability or the the use of 3D in that movie is better than any other movie really. Yeah. Cuz James Cameron really focused on making it amazing 3D. But I find that like you I just find it, well, you actually don't like it. I just think it's kind of mediocre in a lot of ways. And I just don't find it, it does anything spectacularly because it's the story of Pocahontas and I think story is king. So that's mm -hmm. my issue. Do I knock anyone who likes Avatar? No, I don't care. I don't care. It's fine. I understand. It's just shocking to me that it can be just so much of a global phenomenon in 2023 mm -hmm. <laughs> after the first movie came out in 2009. But anyway... Um, I kind of want to see it as a, on an educational perspective as we run this podcast and we run our YouTube channel and all that. Yeah. And um, before we wrap up here, Adrian, I guess that's something to mention. Um, we've started yeah. to be more focused on creating YouTube shorts, maybe TikTok potentially as well, like in terms of our, our marketing, uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram reels. We're making mm -hmm. short videos of reviews and various small things about the film industry to generate hype for our our podcast, and I mean, I guess vice versa, our podcast can can influence that as well. But if you like that kind of thing, like short one-minute videos, please follow us on YouTube or on TikTok or on Instagram Reels. It's uh, J-A-R -J or just another review, JAR underscore split focus. 
is our username on those platforms. Mm -hmm. So feel free to follow us on there. If you'd like, feel free to subscribe to us and please do on the, the various streaming platforms for podcasts, whether it be that, that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, yeah. Amazon Podcasts. We've, we're on pretty much every streaming service or popular one for podcasts. So if you'd like to join us there, we'd very much appreciate it. And if you could write a review there, I'd appreciate that too. Mm-hmm. Currently one short out as of the time of recording this. It's just a YouTube quick short, little yeah. glass onion review. Yeah. Uh, on YouTube shorts. It's on TikTok. It is also on Instagram. So if you want to follow us on there, uh, you can follow us on Letterboxd. I don't know what my Letterboxd login is, but we'll say it next week. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, I'm apinter 462 on Instagram. And then I'm at Adrian Pinter on Twitter if you still use Twitter twitter cool all right yeah that's really it let's wrap this baby up adrian thank you for listening to the 101st episode of split focus a film and tv podcast my name is simon Eady, and this is adrian pinter signing off it is i indeed adrian pinter and uh, i just want to say batman v superman is a good movie take care and goodbye goodbye so is resident evil by the way welcome to raccoon town Oh, God, not again. Come on. Oh, yeah, baby. We're trying to lower the timing of the episode. it's back. Make it smaller, more condensed. Jeez Louise, you're going to add this garbage. Also, Avatar sucks. Fuck that movie. No, 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 no. no. It's all right. Stop it. Just stop talking. Goodbye. Take care.